Well, I am at least. I imagine most of us are probably being a little more purposeful about the way we grocery shop these days. Prices are high. Supplies aren't always there. The produce doesn't always look great. It is the middle of winter. Um, but images of empty shelves, obviously, on social media, whether they be true or not, don't always help. My next guest says what we have to be looking out for these days is, uh, because of stretched supply chains, is something called shelflation. So what is it? How do you spot it? And better yet, how do you avoid it? Joining me now is Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, a professor of food distribution and policy and the director of with the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University and the co-host of the Food Professor podcast. Uh, Sylvain Charlebois, welcome to the show. Very good, Ben. How are you? Very well, very well. Uh, we've spoken about supply chains, or last time we spoke a lot about supply chains and grocery store shelves. Now that these mandates have been in place for a few weeks, uh, are we seeing anything different? Are we seeing just more of the same? I I don't remember uh, in detail what I told you last time, but I suspect it had had something to do with uh, with you know, let's stay calm and nothing will will uh will change access won't be compromised however yep. we are expecting prices to go up uh, and so i don't know if uh, that's about if that's, it yeah that's about that's about what you said exactly yeah just that you know that, things were going to be the same we're not going to see you know sort of a mass change of what's on the shelves but maybe yeah horrible we, we are concerned about price obviously because yeah. prices are going to go up it's it's costing more to move things around uh the country uh and of course buying things from the u.s uh, and, and truck uh, those products into Canada, it's, it's just costing more right now. So obviously at some point, I suspect a grocer are smart about it. They'll incrementally uh, increase prices over the next several months. I know you're in Florida. You're, you're a visiting professor there this year. Um, yeah. have, have, you, have, noticed, have, they, have you noticed any news about the trucker mandates? Is it reaching you down in Florida? I know the governor said something this weekend about GoFundMe. Uh, actually there's, uh, I think the protests in Ottawa attracted more attention. In fact, this morning, again, uh, we heard about the, uh, uh, the emergency measures in, in the city of Ottawa. Uh, that was an, uh, that caught some attention here in, in Florida. And, and frankly, it was a bit embarrassing because really the protest itself attracted more attention than the mandates at the border. The mandates at the border, I mean, essentially what you're seeing is an industry uh, working with mandates. Uh, trucking companies are working with mandates, are hiring the right people so they can cross borders. But like I said, it will cost more to, to get the right people to do the job. But uh, right now, I, I think uh, with what happened in Ottawa, things really got, a bit out of control and it, it didn't look good for, for, for the country overall. Is that the most you've seen of Canadian news since you've been down there? Yeah, sort of. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, it's tough to actually get any Canadian news at all. And that's when you realize anybody who spent, spends time in the U S will realize that, that Canada really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, uh, which is fine. Uh, but overall, I mean, the pandemic itself uh, the U.S. is in a different place altogether. I think the focus yeah. is much more on things like uh, the Super Bowl and Tom Brady than the pandemic. Right. <laughs> I'll be honest with Amazing. you. <laughs> um, but back to groceries. I know you just wrote an interesting op-ed for the Globe and Mail about shrinkflation. Uh, not shrinkflation, but rather shelfflation. Shelfflation, yeah. Shrinkflation we know about because it's when you're like, wow, there seems to be less in this bag than there used to be. Or, wow, that chocolate bar seems so much smaller than it used to be. It's not your imagination. Tell me about shelfflation. Yeah, so I, I think there's a parallel between the two because, uh, I mean, 
uh, shrinkflation was about manufacturers uh, working with their packaging strategy, reducing quantities, but not playing around with price. So in a subtle way, they were basically selling their, the industry selling us uh, less, but charging us the same. So it does contribute to inflation. Shelfflation uh, really is sort of the same thing. It's a phenomena beyond the control of grocers, uh, which really contributes to food inflation. And, and whenever you actually see problems within the supply chain, whether there's a pandemic or not, uh, uh, you're seeing, say, a, a skid of, of dairy products uh, on, uh, uh, on, a, on a dock at 35 degrees, uh, or you see a cold chain breach somewhere else. You don't have enough people to move things around, move inventory. You see food actually spending more time in warehouses. Uh, that leads to uh, shortened shelf life of products at uh, at retail, and uh, what we're noticing these days, it's uh, it's it's a worse problem than before. Actually, a lot of products are impacted by supply chain woes, and the shelf life of many products in retail uh, has been compromised as a result. And so, uh, and that's what we call uh, shelfflation. So you're basically, if you buy stuff, you bring them home, they rot faster than usual, and you end up throwing them away you're wasting more and if you waste more it will cost you more i'm speaking with dr sylvain charlevoix the food professor uh and director of the agri-food analytics lab at dalhousie university co-host of the food professor podcast we're talking about shelflation uh so what obviously when it comes to perishables that must be that must be really where we're seeing it the most right when it comes to perishable goods i know most canadians spend about half their grocery bill a year on perishable goods uh, pretty much. And so it's pretty significant. Uh, and that's why I think it was important for us to come up with this concept of shelflation a few weeks ago, because um, we were concerned that people would would uh, would go back to the grocery store and hoard and, and panic buy and buy too much food uh, as a result of what was going on with uh, all the pictures that we saw on the internet of empty shelves. People were weaponizing the pictures of empty shelves and and we were basically arguing if you actually panic buy uh, right now, it will actually go against you. You're not working with the supply chain. You'll actually end up buying a lot of products and, and then throwing them all away uh, in the garbage because uh, products are, 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 have written too quickly or they've rotten. And so that's why we wanted to send out that message right. as soon as possible to say, listen, be careful, work with the supply chain and buy for two, three days at a time. Yeah, that was your recommendation was really to shop um, to shop more often and to buy less to make sure that what you're buying is fresh. How does that work? Is that really, uh, how often should we be there and what, we should, what should we be looking out for on the shelves? I, I think, I mean, for the next six months, I would recommend people to continue to do that. Uh, things are t- still quite dicey. They will remain dicey. Uh, I mean, on the one side, on the one hand, I, I think a lot of Canadians are still underappreciating uh, our food industry's resiliency. Uh, but on the other, I mean, we have to realize also that things aren't perfect. I mean, <laughs> things are pretty challenging. So you want to give the, the industry a break. And at the same time, you want to give yourself a break and not waste too much money wasting food. So, so I think that's the balance we have to have for the next little while. Because we really are seeing, um, I mean, you do notice with some produce that it just isn't staying you're obviously not buying it as fresh, so it's not staying fresh as long once you get it home. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, and frankly, it reminds me of my days in Europe. I uh, actually lived in Europe for for you and my family. And and in Europe, the shelf life of many perishables aren't as long. And so you kind of have to change your habits in terms of grocery shopping. Uh, every two, three days is good. And frankly, I'll be honest with you. I mean, right now, uh, deals are rare. It's hard to find any deals, but you will find those enjoy tonight deals a bit more often if you go to the grocery store more often. So you can actually say, if you have the time and you feel comfortable going to the grocery store, uh, you'll be rewarded for it. I'm back with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, Professor of Food Distribution and Policy and the Director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University in Florida these days uh, on a visiting professorship. You're also the co-host of the Food Professor podcast, which I always highly recommend. It's always interesting. Let's let's talk a bit about dairy products. We've been talking about sort of shelflation, the idea that things on the shelves might not be as fresh as they usually are because of supply chain issues. Uh, We know that people's grocery bills have been going up. I think we've all been noticing that. But something else came into play with the price of dairy in Canada uh, on February 1st. What was that? Well, yeah, so the Cane Dairy Commission back in the fall basically recommended that uh, that, uh, dairy farmers would would actually get uh, 8.4% more for their milk and 12.4% more for their butter fat. Uh, that's when we knew that the dairy section of the grocery store will become more expensive, generally speaking, as of February 1st. Uh, it's something that happens every year. But this year was uh, unusual because the 8.4% is is literally more than double. Uh, it's almost double the, 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 the previous record over 50 years. So it's a, it was a lot. And of course, when you're producing cheese and yogurt, that that increase is pretty substantial, uh, and so this this increase is right now creating a lot of tension within uh, the supply chain. For example, so because cheese will become more expensive to produce, uh, we're seeing pizzerias cutting back on the use of cheese, for example, which is actually a case of shrinkflation, by the way, going back to our conversation about shrinkflation, right. we're going to see more of that happening, less dairy products in, 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 uh, in, different, uh, in different products we buy every single day, whether it's a food service and food retail, we may actually see the return of, uh, of illegal dairy proteins being imported from the US. Because right now, even before the increase of February 1st, uh, Canadian industrial milk was three times more expensive than uh, than the milk you find in the U.S. So the temptation is very strong for processors to actually import dairy products, dairy proteins from the United States. So, and that could actually, we could actually see a lot of farms, dairy farms disappear in Canada as a result of all these things happening all at once. These, how does that work with industrial milk? Like how, how would that work in practice in terms of, uh, of, of, first of all, the price increases? How does it filter down through the system? And then how would buying uh, proteins from across the border make sense? Yeah, so typically, so what we saw a few years ago when uh, Lactalis, Saputo, Agrapur, they all actually, they all admitted that they were doing it for many years. It's because it, they, they just stood by changing labeling. 
So at the, at customs, they don't necessarily realize it is dairy or milk. So they actually go around the system and they're probably going to be, fi- they're, they're going to try to figure out a way to go around the system again, unfortunately, yeah. and, which could lead to some milk dumping in rural communities. You may not know, you may not hear about it because dairy farmers hate to report milk dumping, mm-hmm. but I suspect it's going to happen again this year as a result of, of this really huge increase. I spoke with uh, Jeff None, a dairy farmer in Alberta last week. Of course, they pointed out that the you know inflation has hit them too right across the board, that costs for them are high. Um, and, and that this this increase may not even cover those costs, that they had, you know, they'd gone to the CDC, to add, the Canadian Dairy Commission, to ask for this increase, or at least their representatives did. Um, what do you make of I mean, what do you make of the system? And then what do you make of what dairy farmers were saying? Well, I think it makes perfect sense. I, I actually think that uh, he's right. I mean, it, it does cost more to operate a dairy farm. The, the, the concern that I have is that we don't really have access to the primary data that the Canadian Dairy Commission is actually using. Uh, we've, been, we've asked for that data uh, and uh, our request was denied. And, and the simple reason why we were asking for the data is to understand more about how these dairy farms are actually managed. Are they managed properly? Are they competitive? Uh, and, and, and my guess is that they're not compared to the U.S. And so we have a lot of farms that are not necessarily well managed in Canada because the focus is not about generating more revenues. It's just about, you know, managing a, a farm and there's no incentive to perform better so that I'm, I'm afraid this institutionalized mediocrity, managerial mediocrity mm-hmm. is really, uh, uh, it is it, it's, it's creating this in this industry that is not as effective and that's really why i'm concerned because at the end of the day consumers are paying for that they're, they're paying for this lack of of competitiveness but also we're compensating we're subsidizing the industry 1.75 billion dollars mm-hmm. uh we're giving in compensation for more products coming into the canadian market but we just learned a few weeks ago that there are there are the number that the amount of, of 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 products coming into Canada is not as much as as what we planned uh, or what we what was scheduled. So there's lots going on here that really, you know, is, is getting a lot of Canadians to scratch their heads. So back to the grocery store shelves. How do, how do these prices then filter through the system, and where do they start showing up on grocery store shelves for for consumers? So already with fluid milk, we're seeing increases across the country, uh, five to fifteen percent, depending on where you are. We were expecting that. We're also expecting dairy products to continue to rise uh, over the next little while, uh, if of course uh, dairy processors don't go to the U.S. Uh, to uh, if. But and and by the way, Ben, if if prices don't change in dairy products, I'm going to really question where that milk is coming from. To be honest, because right. it's really just so expensive. So. Right now, my biggest concern is that at the end of the day, we may lose more dairy farms. That's really what's at stake here. And consumers in the end aren't necessarily better served as a result. So that's why I think the system needs to change. And you're seeing the price of milk go up. I understand, of course, that we're expecting that to then filter through to other dairy products as the year goes on, not just for retailers, but for, for consumers. How do you see that? How will we witness that, do you think, over the course of 2022? Uh, it's gonna. It's probably gonna take a while because I, I think that grocers will be careful not to really uh, 
increase prices all at once. Uh, they'll be very cool. They don't want to spook consumers. But uh, that being said, as they increase prices, I'm actually I'm expecting more more consumers to start looking uh, looking away and consider uh, alternate non-dairy products. There are more of them, and some of them are pretty good. And so that section of the grocery store is pretty significant. And by the way, I mean, when you think about BC in particular, a quarter of vegans in Canada live in BC. And so there's a huge market for non-dairy products in, in BC, and I suspect they'll become even more popular. Dr. Sylvain Chalabois, thank you so much for your time, as always. All right. Take care.